Thanks for listening to the weekly teaching podcast for City Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. It is our desire to be a Jesus-centered family on mission. If you live here in Knoxville or are ever visiting the area, we'd love to have you with us at one of our Sunday gatherings. You can find out more at citychurchknox.com. If you're interested in giving financially to help us reach more people in our city, you can give easily at citychurchknox.com give. And finally, if this teaching is helpful to you in any way, we'd love to hear about it. You can email us at info at citychurchknox.com. With that being said, here's this week's teaching. It's great to see everybody. Uh, for those of you who are here in person, it's, uh, it's awesome to see you. Thank you for joining us to learn from God's Word. And if you're joining us online, welcome to you as well. I'm really glad you decided to check us out and stop by. Um, so if you are just now joining us, or just if you forgot, just to catch everybody up, we are currently on our fifth week of our series all about work. Right? What, what does the Bible say about work, our interactions with work, the way that we view work, um, all of those different things, how we approach it, and, and all of those ideas. Um, so last week, we talked about the importance of Sabbath and the way that that relates to our work and our relationship with the Lord. So uh, that one, and honestly, the whole season, season? It's not a season. Series, as a whole, has, uh, sorry, I've been watching a lot of Netflix, so... I'm on the last season of a great show, and it's very sad, but um, if you have not listened to the rest of the the sermons in this series, I would strongly recommend you go to our website or wherever you get podcasts to find them, because like I was saying, it has been a really helpful series for me personally. Um, I've just been uh, really convicted, had lots of things to to grow in and things that I am able to highlight in my life, Um, so I would strongly recommend you go back and check those out. Um, So a little bit about me, since it's been a little while since I've been up here. Um, My name is Eric. I'm a pastor in training here at City Church. Um, If I have not had the chance to meet you, I would love to do that. If you want to come introduce yourself, that would be great. Uh, So I grew up overseas. My parents worked for a mission organization, so I lived uh, in South Asia for about 13 years. I work full-time for the YMCA, so I'm not actually, I don't work at City Church, which will be relevant uh, later in this message about work. Um, So I would would love to talk more about myself. Uh, I have no issue doing that, but that's not what we're doing right now. So I would love to talk to you afterwards, like I said, if you want to come come introduce yourself, I'd love to meet you. So go ahead and grab your Bibles. Um, We are going to use those in just a minute, and we're going to get started. Um, So like I said, this is the fifth week in our series about work. So If you have been coming around for a while, or if you've been listening through this series, odds are pretty good uh, that even if it was a fleeting thought, all of us have probably had some thought that eventually we would get to talking about work and mission. Um, It's just generally generally where people go when they talk about the Bible and our work. Um, So mission, if you are unfamiliar, is just the word that most Christians use. Um, it's, It's the idea of how we are called to share the good news of Jesus with other people. Um, So that's what being on mission is. So if you've made it this far into the series and you are still listening to the series, odds are pretty good uh, that you saw this sermon coming and you were still willing to show up, which I appreciate. Uh, Or maybe you just rolled the dice and hoped that this would not be one of the ones that you were here for. Um, But if that's you, I pray that you'd stick around because I think it's very helpful. 
Um, so my point with all of this is I feel like most followers of Jesus have no issue at all and no qualms with the idea or the concept of being on mission at work. I think all of us would pretty much agree that that is uh, a thing that we should be doing. People, people are on board with the idea. Um, but at the same time, I think we see uh, a, pretty, a pretty huge lack of people being missional and sharing the good news of Jesus in their places of work. So that would lead me to conclude that somewhere in the middle, there's, there's a disconnect, right? We agree, and it might not be happening, so what's going on in the middle? Um, I, I feel like while followers of Jesus, like I said, uh, would say they agree that work and mission go hand in hand, a lot of people, uh, in my opinion, just need some help with the practicals. I think that is, a, that is something that, that's difficult and something that would be helpful. Um, Many people just need some encouragement um, or some challenging, maybe, to, to actively live on mission where they're working. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and uh, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going we're gonna to be there in just a second. Uh, but I wanted to take just a second before that to speak into um, some things that I have noticed in the church at large in our country. Um, I think a lot of the time when people hear the word mission, um, a, lot, a lot of the time it's this idea of uh, going overseas, maybe going to a different state, um, doing something like that, doing a service project and then maybe hanging out like at a resort for a couple days and then coming home and get some photos and a little bit of a tan and it's all good. Um, and, and it might not be that, that way for everyone. I know people very, have a very healthy view of mission, um, but I will say that I have scarcely heard the word mission mentioned in American churches without it also being paired with the word trip, right? As if, as if the mission is always somewhere that you are not. Um, but biblically, that is not the case, right? Followers of Jesus are meant to be living their lives in a way that communicates that they have been transformed by something outside of themselves. Um, they have been changed in some way, and their lives should be reflecting that. So mission is a way of life, for followers of Jesus. It's, it's not a singular trip or a singular conversation that we might have. Those things are good. There's a place for that, but that is not what mission is at its, at its core. It's something that should define all of our interactions, all of our interactions and, and our interactions at our places of work especially. Um, and this concept, I would say, applies across the board for whatever your work is as a follower of Jesus. All of our work has so much more potential than just being something that we do every day, right? No, no follower of Jesus just works at a bank, right? No follower of Jesus just teach kindergarten. None just raise children. None just bag groceries, Right, for, for any of this to take hold at all or make sense or be challenging, everyone has to understand one, one really important fact that I don't, get, I don't think gets said enough. Um, and it's all followers of Jesus have the same job. Right? We just get our paychecks from different people. So if you are a follower of Jesus, your job is the same as any other follower of Jesus. And I think this is outlined really clearly in one of the core uh, baseline passages of Scripture uh, for viewing our work as mission in 2 Corinthians 5. So if you, I hope you've had time to get there, or maybe you forgot, which is fine. Um, but we're going to jump right in to 2 Corinthians 5, and we're going to start in verse 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. So if you like to underline things or highlight stuff, I would say go ahead and underline that word, anyone. Um, we're going to come back to that in just a second. 
Let's keep reading. It says, The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So, a quick aside here as well. Um, I, I think I've heard a lot of people say things like, oh, you're in ministry, so like, it's easier for you to tell people about Jesus. Right? Or, if I was in ministry, I would, be, I would be much more inclined to talk about Jesus. Well, I have great news for you. Uh, if you are a follower of Jesus, and if you have been made new through Jesus, you are now officially in ministry. Congratulations. I can even uh, coordinate getting you like a certificate or something, if you want, if that helps. Um, but back to it. So Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. So the first thing, um, who is he addressing here? Is he saying, like, who, who is in Christ? If pastors are in Christ, is that what he says? Or if international ministries are in Christ, that's not what he says. He says anyone, right? If anyone is in Christ. That's pretty broad, I would say, and pretty authoritative. Um, anyone who is in Christ is an ambassador for him. So that word ambassador is, is pretty significant as well. Right, Paul, Paul could have said something else. He could have said something like, uh, we are representatives for Christ, which is still pretty, pretty good, or maybe raving fans of Christ or something like that, but he didn't. Uh, he, he used this phrase in particular that describes someone who is uh, an official or an accredited representative or spokesperson, uh, someone who goes out and officially officially represents the person who sent them, right? It is an official capacity. And in the biblical context, this is someone who is authorized to speak as God's diplomatic appointee, which is pretty significant. So followers of Jesus are ministers of reconciliation. So like I said before, um, this is not a call exclusively for people who are working in full-time ministry, or ministry-related roles. This, this is a command to the follower of Jesus who works at Sam's Club, or the follower of Jesus at Starbucks, or Walmart, or at a corporate desk job, or a follower of Jesus raising a family, or serving food. This is not a suggestion or a, or a hope for people. This is a command to followers of Jesus. And I know, uh, I know some people listening today probably need to hear this. Um, God put you in your role so that people there might come to know him. God put you in your role so people there might come to know him. So let's take a look real quick uh, back at verse 17, um, or the last half of verse 17. It says, the old has passed away, the new has come. So that sentence has a lot going on, and it may seem brief, and that is because it is brief, so that makes sense. Um, but this sentence, at its core, is the whole story of the gospel. Right? This is the thing that Paul is telling us to be proclaiming. This is the message of recon reconciliation that we are ministers for. All of us, no matter where we are in our lives, at one point, we were spiritually dead at one point. Every, every single one of us because of the fall. We did not have a hope and we had no power to change our situation. 
right? Dead bones cannot raise themselves. Uh, But God, because he deeply loved us and he deeply loved his creation, he sent his son to die on our behalf and take the punishment for us, right? The punishment that we all deserved. And, And he did that and Jesus went to his grave and he was separated from the Father, right? But after three days, Jesus walked out of that grave and he left death locked inside when he left. And when he did that, he made a way for us to be reconciled back to him and back to the Father, right? He, he made a way for us to go from spiritual death into life, like we were just singing about. That's, that's what the sentence is saying, right? The, the old is gone, and the, the new is here. We have been born into a new life. Like, that, that's what we're talking about here. That is the message of re- reconciliation, and people need to know about it. And I want to make sure that you're hearing what I'm saying uh, just by, by breaking down what I'm not saying real quick. So, I am not saying, hey, say these, uh, say these words in a prayer, and you get a free pass into heaven. Just check that box. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying, hey, I'm a pretty good person. You should accept Jesus, and you can also be a pretty good person. Like, that's, that's not at all what I am saying. I'm saying, through Jesus, there is a way to make you new. Jesus gives us a way to transform who we are at our deepest level, a way to be reconciled back to the Father as it was intended originally. It's not a box to be checked. It's not something to be achieved. It's a definition for your life. So I want to spend some time unpacking today what it looks like to share that with other people. Um, So for some of us in the room, this may be the first time that you have ever considered your workplace as being a primary place to put the gospel on display, right? Uh, For others, you may have known this and you may have been faithfully and actively pursuing people in those settings to try to communicate the love of Jesus, and that's awesome, that's great. Uh, For a lot of people, though, I I feel like, like I said at the beginning, you would agree uh, that this concept is important, but might just be wondering, how, how on earth does somebody go about doing that? Right? Am I supposed to be the guy at work who leaves like these turn or burn tracks in people's mailboxes? Or like, do I have to make sure that anytime somebody walks by, my Bible is open on my desk? I mean, do I have to come up with really creative, super awkward ways to, to just bring up Jesus in casual conversations? I get, it can feel incredibly daunting to think about being on mission in your workplace, and that's why I want to spend the bulk of our time talking about what it can look like for a follower of Jesus to faithfully be a minister of reconciliation where they work or wherever they are. So I think it's done primarily in two different ways, um, and we're going to spend some time breaking down each of those into some more practical steps. Uh, These are two very significant but very simple concepts. Um, Don't get hung up on how complex this is. promise we can understand it together. Uh, So we can be missional in our work through showing people the gospel and telling people the gospel. Pretty straightforward. Um, So one of the key ways, like I said, that you can be missional at work is by showing people you are a follower of Jesus. Simple enough, right? But the big question is how? How do we do that? How do we practically show people in our day-to-day life the love of Jesus? I'll be totally honest with you. Uh, While it may not always be easy and will most certainly take effort, 
the, the possibilities are literally endless of how to do this. Um, so I'll just give you a couple of practical. So one practical way to, uh, to love someone around you is uh, to just be interested in their lives. I don't mean those interactions where you're like, hey, how's it going? How was your weekend? It was good. It wasn't long enough. <laughs> and then you're done. Like, we all have those conversations. I get it. Uh, but that's not, the goal is not checking the box of human interaction for the day and then being done. No, I mean asking people uh, intentional questions about their interests, uh, about their goals, about their life outside of the context where you normally see them. Ask them questions, right? Follow up with them. If you say you care about somebody, then show them that you care about them. Right? Like I said at the beginning, uh, I am not employed at City Church. I have a full-time job during the week. Um, so just this week at work, uh, I have been able to have conversations with coworkers, and I know that uh, one has a family member that's in the hospital, and they're, they're really struggling with it and having a, a really hard time. Uh, one is going through some, some really rough stuff with a spouse, and they're, they're taking active steps to try to to deal with things, but it's, it's just really, really difficult for them. Uh, I know one is uh, dreaming of traveling the world. They want to backpack across Europe, uh, and they're making plans of uh, how they can do that, how they might be able to achieve that once we can travel again. And I get to keep those conversations going. Right? I get to ask how their family is doing. I get to ask uh, how, how their relationship is in the, an appropriate context. I can be excited with somebody about traveling the world and share my experiences with them and try to help them plan. But I can only, I can only do that because I asked them in the first place. Right? I, I care about the people that I'm around, and I'm trying to show them that. And our relationships are deepening because of it. Now, hear me say this, there are absolutely days where I don't say a single word more than absolutely necessary just to get by, right? There are days when I get so frustrated with my coworkers that I want nothing to do with them, right? That absolutely happens. So I am by no means saying that I do this perfectly in any way. But we do have to actively pursue opportunities to show people that we care about them, uh, another super practical way to do this is to, to, to show people that you care and show people the love of Jesus is to invite them to do something outside of work, right? Invite people into real life. Uh, another way to make this even easier and arguably better, depending on the way that people interact with, with new folks, is to invite them to meet your friends, right? Invite them to hang out with people in your life group. So this is actually the, the exact reason that we encourage our groups to have weekly rhythms other than Sunday and, and outside of homes and outside of life group nights. So there's an easy, just non-threatening environment to invite people to. All right, going up to a coworker and saying, hey, uh, you want to come to my church small group on Thursday night? Uh, some guy's house, you don't know him. Uh, we talk about some of our like, deepest fears and shame and stuff. Somebody's going to cry, it's fine. Um, you should probably check it out. Uh, that's a tough sell, honestly. Like, it's just, that's hard. But going up to a coworker and saying, hey, do you want to come to trivia at this brewery on Wednesday? It's exactly what it sounds like. <laughs> it's trivia at a brewery. I, I think that's a lot more appealing to people, right? So doing things outside of work together, that's a great way to build relationships. Um, I will also say this. It might mean becoming interested in what they are interested in, uh, even if you are not interested in it in the first place. Right, so like if Daryl down the hall loves bird watching and you still aren't really sure if birds are even real and you don't really know what to do, 
I'll be honest, it wouldn't kill you to take 30 minutes out of the four hours you spend on Netflix to, to read about warblers and kestrels, okay? And in case you're curious, I did look up birds for this, and those are real bird names. I picked the weirdest sounding ones to make it sound better. I'm just going to say it. Um, but taking interest in someone else's interest is a massively practical way to show them that you care about them and that you care about building a relationship with them, that you would go out of your way to do that. So one last uh, really quick practical way to show people the love of Jesus is to pray, right? To pray uh, for them, to pray for what's going on in their lives, to pray for boldness in yourself, to go out of your way to engage people, pray for opportunities, pray for God to do that work. One of the most important things uh, that we need to remember when we're thinking through what it looks like to show people what being a follower of Jesus is like uh, is the specific end goal, right? What, what are we actually trying to accomplish here? What, what do we want people to come away with when we do this? When we understand this idea, the practical outworkings of it become much more straightforward, right? Our goal in this should be... Uh, Yeah, so our goal in all of this needs to be when people see us as followers of Jesus and the way that we interact with other people, they should be thinking, you know, that that person really, really cares, right? They They care about me, they care about her, about him, they care about working hard, they care about my life. I wonder, I wonder why. So growing up, like I said, um, my parents were international missionaries <clears throat> excuse me, in South Asia, and they obviously talked about the concept of mission a lot, as it was what they did for a living. Um, but one thing always stood out to me the most, though, my, my dad would always have this phrase when talking about mission, and he would always say, you may be the only picture of Jesus someone ever sees, right? And that is, that's always stayed in my head uh, that one of the most practical and most important ways to communicate the love of Jesus to someone is just in the way that we interact with people. Now, maybe you're hearing all of that and saying, you know what, honestly, I would love if I interacted with enough people to do that, right? I would love if I interacted with enough people to share the gospel with anyone. Uh, Maybe for you, you spend most of your time in a home office. Uh, A lot of people do that now, I'll be honest. Um, maybe for you, it's, it's you're locked in a tiny office or a, a storage closet or something at work or um, maybe some other setting where you don't get to interact with hardly anyone on a day-to-day basis through your work. Uh, maybe you're a stay-at-home parent and you're thinking, yeah, I don't really, I don't really get the opportunity uh, to interact with non-Christians all that often. Uh, and to be sure, some of us are going to have to put a little more thought and a little more creativity into this uh, than other people. Uh, For example, teachers. Uh, Most of you, if you uh, are teaching in a public school setting at least, most of your interactions are going to be with kids who you are not allowed to talk to about Jesus. I I get that. You may have to go more out of your way to build those relationships and to have gospel conversations, right? Maybe that means uh, grading papers or making lesson plans together with other teachers instead of by yourself. Uh, Maybe that's going out of your way on, on weekends or evenings, to connect with some of those people outside of work like we talked about. Uh, People whose role is mostly at home, like a a stay-at-home parent, for example. Uh, Odds are pretty good. I'm going to go out on a limb and say there might be other stay-at-home parents in your city. 
And odds are pretty good that there are social media pages or get-togethers that would provide a lot of context and common ground to build relationships with other people and with other parents. Uh, Also, side note on that, children are not born Christians. So odds are you've got some little non-Christians running around the house, uh, and teaching them is very much a mission. It is. So it's going to look different in different contexts, as it should, right? All of us have different giftings, all of us have different experiences, and that should shape the way that we are interacting with other people. And it's not always going to be easy. But we need, we need to be willing to think critically, just to try to find ways for it to take place where we are. Um, and all of this, regardless of our roles, regardless of our functions, that creates the opportunity for the next practical, which is telling people the gospel. So, a lot of the ways that people are going to know something is different about us as followers of Jesus is the way that we live, right? Or it should, our lives should be markedly different than the world around us if we are followers of Jesus. So a huge piece of what it looks like to show people the love of Christ is through some of the things we just talked about. But by nature of the gospel, or the nature of the gospel is that it is good news, right? That's what that means. And I have news about news, it can only be heard if someone says it, right? That's kind of how news works. Um, so Paul, in Romans ten fourteen, he, he, puts it, uh, he puts it like this. We'll put it up on the screen. He says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have, not, have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? So I think it sounds pretty elementary, honest, uh, honestly, with, with how straightforward he, he makes it, but it's also incredibly profound at the same time. Right? Paul is right. How are people going to hear about something if no one tells them about it? How will your coworkers hear about how you started to experience some freedom from, from addiction or from depression or from anxiety because of the identity you found in Christ and the rest you've experienced for the first time? How will they know the ways that only Jesus could have sustained you through what you were going through, and he did? Steve from HR is not going to tell them for you, right? We have to tell them. And I get it can feel incredibly intimidating. I understand that. And speaking for myself personally, I feel the most overwhelmed by the idea of doing this when I find myself thinking how much it could affect me. Does that make sense? Um, Put it this way, when, when I think about how my social image might change because of talking about Jesus, or when I think about how that person might look at me, or, or how they might think about me, or how they might talk about me, if I had that conversation with them. Uh, notice how most of the times that I get hung up on how difficult or how intimidating it might be, those are the same times that I'm making the gospel of Jesus all about me. I am taking the eternal story of the saving grace of our Heavenly Father, and I am boiling it down to how someone might respond to what I'm saying. Right? To put it another way, I'm making my personal comfort and my reputation more important than that person encountering God. And let me just, let me just tell you, this may not be easy to hear. You may have a stellar reputation, um, but I can definitively tell you it's not more important than someone coming to know Jesus. It's just not. And I think it says a lot about my personal view of the Father in those moments. 
when I, when I react that way, and I do that a lot. I will also say this, um, in my opinion, a lot of people feel intimidated by, by telling people about Jesus, um, not for that reason, but because they honestly feel like they don't know how. They don't know practically what that looks like. And I want to give just a couple quick examples um, that is by no means exhaustive to try, try to help paint a little piece of this bigger picture. And so I want these examples to just serve as a helpful guide, maybe as an on-ramp to start shaping our minds to think in gospel-centered and outward-focused ways. Um, so first, every follower of Jesus has a testimony, right? They have your, you have your own story. Everyone has unique experiences. Everyone has unique lenses through which they view the world because of their life story, right? All of you have a story, and you can tell people your story. You can do that. You should tell people, right? What, what seems like a more tangible way of understanding the transformative power of Jesus? Um, telling someone a passage from Scripture that talks about how Jesus saves, that's good. Or, or is maybe telling them, hey, uh, for decades, I was controlled by my desire to be praised by others and, and my need for, for attention and my desires control everything about me. Right? I was being crushed under the weight of needing their approval to have any worth at all. And, and here is how Jesus has given me a new identity and here's what that means for me now. Right? Your story has power. Right? It, has, it has power because it's a story of being raised from death to life, right? Um, no one has ever been more dead than someone else, right? We've all been raised from the same death into the same life if we are followers of Jesus. Um, I will also say this. No one's story of being saved by Jesus is insignificant compared to someone else's. Uh, Jesus raised you into spiritual life from death, and that is significant, no matter what that is. Uh, so another pointer for that, you can ask people their spiritual background and talk about yours. Right? Whether, uh, no matter what anyone's spiritual beliefs are, everyone has a background. Uh, if you are uh, completely anti-spiritual or, or very hyper-spiritual or anywhere in the middle, you have a background and you can talk about it, Right? That opens the door for so many spiritual conversations because it is a spiritual conversation. So that's a pretty good start. Um, so the last example for this, uh, for this part, um, you can use truth from Scripture to try to encourage people. Uh, you can encourage them when they're having a hard time at work or a hard time in life. You can, you can share something that was encouraging for you from Scripture like, listen, you can use the words of Jesus himself to encourage someone. Like, that's not a bad resource. Right there, you have access to literal quotes from the Son of God. And those words can stir, stir things in people's hearts, right? Um, so whenever I think about this idea of, of telling people about Jesus, it always reminds me of this quote uh, by this guy named Penn Jillette. Um, so Penn is a well-known magician, uh, which is a niche market, I am aware. Um, but he's a very outspoken atheist as well. And we, we've talked about this a little bit before. It's been a while. Um, but during an interview one time, uh, he was talking to the interviewer, and uh, they were talking about this idea of proselytizing, which is just a big fancy word of trying to convert someone to a religion, right? Um, so when talking about proselytizing, this is what Penn said. 
He said, I have always said that I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe there is a heaven and a hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever and you think that, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. How much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them? And that always gets me. Uh, It's incredibly convicting for me when I think about it this way. Uh, He puts it really strongly, and I'm going to say, in all honesty, I would say appropriately so. Uh, We have this message, uh, this, this transformative power that we've experienced. Why on earth would we keep that to ourselves? Right? We wouldn't have gotten to experience it if someone hadn't shared it with us. So as we wrap up today, um, I, want, I want to give us two important things that we need to keep in mind when thinking about all of this. Uh, the first is that showing people the gospel and telling people about Jesus always go hand in hand. Right? If all we ever do is show people the gospel but we never tell them about it, people are just going to walk away and think, man, what a nice guy. Right? What a nice lady she is. Right? They're just going to end up thinking that we're just some sort of miraculously compassionate person, the likes of Gandhi or Mr. Rogers. And they seem very nice, I'll be honest. Um, believe it or not, that is not the point. Um, the point is not that people would just find us to be pleasant people. Uh, the point is that they would realize we're different because of the good news of Jesus. Right? The point is not that they would find us to be pleasant people, but that they would realize it's the good news of Jesus that makes us different. Uh, but at the same time, if all we ever do is tell people about Jesus without ever embodying the implications of that, uh, we might be no better than a screaming street preacher. Right? We're just a clanging symbol. We're telling people that something is important, but never showing them why. We end up telling them that the gospel is the most important thing in the universe, but never showing them any proof that we actually believe that. And the other thing that we need to keep in mind with all of this is the main reason for doing it. Right? We talked about this a little bit, but, but the reason we as followers of Jesus want to show people the love of Jesus and tell people about it is because we should want to share what we have experienced. We want other people to have the opportunity to be set free from the weight of sin and shame. We want other people to have a hope for the future. An assurance of of what Christ did for us. We want them to have that assurance. And we do that because we have been tasked by our Father in heaven to be his ambassadors. We are meant to be reconcilers. Excuse me. We We are ministers of reconciliation. And as followers of Jesus, we have to remember our goal is faithfulness and not results. Faithfulness and not results is our goal. Our job is to faithfully pursue and love and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to move. Uh, I'm sure someone listening today needs to hear this, and I need to hear it a lot. Um, Whether you're feeling defeated and discouraged or or you're feeling prideful and overinflated in the way that this goes, or you're anywhere in the middle— Um, you cannot save people, right? You cannot, and that is not your job, and thank God for that, right? We are free to pursue people and build relationships with people and to love people imperfectly 
Because it's the Lord's power that saves us, and it's the Lord's power that will work in other people. Right? I think Paul said it well in 1 Corinthians 3.6. It's uh, going to be up on the screen. He said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So God is actively working through his people and working through the Holy Spirit to grow his kingdom and to see more and more people become reconciled to him. Right? We are God's hands and feet in this world. We, as the church, are the means by which his name will be made known. We are part of God's plan to save the world, and we get to participate in that with him. That's huge. Um, one last thing to consider before we close. Uh, God's mission is huge, and it's amazing that we are participants in it at all. Uh, it means that nothing we are doing as followers of Jesus is wasted. Nothing is wasted. Just because you aren't in full-time ministry or, or leading a nonprofit that's digging wells all across the world does not mean that your role is any less significant. Right? Jesus is your Savior, and all he's asking for you to do is live faithfully on mission. Uh, even if you feel like what you do is insignificant, God can move. God can, can work through you where you are. Um, I want everyone to consider this question uh, this week. And it's something that I have to consider all the time. Um, would you stay at a job you did not enjoy when there were other options popping up, but God had been giving you opportunities and favor with your current coworkers? Right? Think, think of it this way. If the Holy Spirit told you today, hey, uh, I know you don't like your job. Uh, I know you would love to take these other opportunities. Uh, but I have a mission for you with this coworker, and I want you to stay where you are right now for that reason. Would you do it? Would you be willing to even consider it? I, I think it's something for all of us to consider. Um, what, what I want to do right now uh, to wrap everything up is I just want to try to give some really practical next steps. Uh, I know these like broad sweeping concepts of these big ideas can be difficult to connect into everyday like real life. Like tomorrow, what are you going to do? Uh, so I want everyone to, to grab a pen and paper or a phone or something to, to write these things down. So the first thing is I want you to write down the name of one person that you come into contact with on a regular basis through your work. Write down just one person. It could be a client. Uh, it could be a coworker, a colleague, a boss, an employee. Uh, like I said, even if you're a stay-at-home parent, there are opportunities for mission throughout our city for you. So write down the name of that person. Or maybe you can be ambitious and bold, and you can write more than one, also an option. Uh, next, I want you to, to write down how you can show them the gospel. How can you show them the gospel? Uh, so maybe that means asking them out to lunch this week. Uh, maybe it's, it's asking them just how they're doing with all the craziness that's, that's going on in our world right now. Uh, maybe it's taking an interest in one thing that you know they're interested in, like we talked about. Um, maybe it's you or, or your life group meeting a practical need in their, in their life right now. Whatever it is, make a list uh, of at least one accomplishable way that you can show them the implications of the gospel this week. Uh, lastly, 
Write down one way that you could tell them the gospel in the near future. Uh, maybe you already know them fairly well, and asking them out to lunch is not going to be a, like a thing that they're going to notice. Uh, maybe you have a, a deeper relationship with them, and it wouldn't be weird at all for you to just share a little story about, uh, of, of your story, a little bit of your story at some point. Uh, maybe you've asked them if they have ever had interactions with, uh, positive or negative, any interactions with church or with religion. And maybe ask that, that God would use that to create an opportunity uh, to share some, to share some of your experiences. Uh, maybe it's that you know them really well, right? And they've shared with you some really specific ways that they're struggling, and you know the, exactly how the gospel might bring hope to that situation, you just haven't worked up the courage to say something, and maybe this week you pray for God to give you that courage to say something. Uh, so right now, I'm going to ask Joel and Sarah to come back up um, just so we can transition. Um, but I would love for everyone to just take uh, a little bit of time to pray. So if you want to, if you're, bow your head, close your eyes, if you just need to journal, write stuff down, think. Um, I want everyone to just take some time right now, and I'll give some pauses in between uh, each of these things. So first, I want you uh, to just pray that God would empower you to do the things that we have talked about today. Pray that God would empower you to do the things that we've talked about for, for boldness and for opportunities. Um, next, I want you to pray uh, specifically for the people around you every day and for the interactions and the conversations that you could have or that you are having. And lastly, uh, pray for the Holy Spirit to work and to move and to make effective those efforts. God, we, uh, first we just want to thank you for um, for, for making a way for us to move from death to life, um, that that can be our testimony. Um, that you did the work and you made the sacrifice to make that possible. God, we thank you so much for that. Um, thank you for the hope that that gives us. Thank you um, for what that means for us. Um, and I, I just want to pray for everyone uh, who's listening right now. I want to I pray that you would move and stir in their hearts and that you would give them boldness and that you would give them um, yeah, just the, the empowering spirit to engage with other people. I, I, I pray for opportunities in their workplace that you would create spaces and time and those chances to be able to share your love with them. Um, 
I pray for, I pray for everyone's uh, relationships with coworkers, with, with the people that are around every day, that you would foster growth in those relationships, um, that, your, that your spirit would move because we know and we thank you so much that it is your power that moves. It is your power that, that saved us, and it's your power that can save others. I thank you that, that the pressure to do that is not on our shoulders, God, but that we have the freedom to share what you have done. Yeah, I thank you, I thank you that you work and that you move and that your spirit is with us, and you, you promise us that, and you are faithful to keep your promises. And I pray that we uh, don't feel discouraged when we feel like we may not be making any headway or nothing might not be happening. But like, like we, saw, um, we saw in the scripture today that, that sometimes it's us that plant the seed. Sometimes it's us that waters the seed. And some of us get to, get to see the, the seed grow. Um, but regardless of our role in that, God, it is you that gives that growth. It's you that gives that seed life. And, and we thank you that you do that. And we, we pray that you would do that in, in our workplaces, in our lives, in our interactions with other people, that we would be able to do that together. Yeah. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.